Welcome back to the Teen Challenger Southern California podcast. Before we get started, we wanted to let you know about a 24-7 prayer and help referral line that Teen Challenger Southern California just launched. Beginning today, we're going to periodically share with you some of the anointed messages and engaging and relevant conversations that were recorded as part of Arise United 2020. Arise United was a two-day live stream event that TCSC hosted that brought together worship, preaching, and conversations that focused on the love of God and the unity that His Spirit can bring when we come together. Today, you're going to hear a challenging word from one of our very own Teen Challenge alumni, Pastor Alberto Bayo. No matter what your need is, if you're anxious or worried or stressed, you can call anytime, any day, and a Teen Challenge staff member is there to pray with you. The number is 888-520-0620. Once again, that number is 888-520-0620. We're so glad that you've chosen our podcast today. We know that there's thousands of podcasts that you could be listening to, and you've chosen to listen to ours, and we thank you for that. One last thing. If you're blessed by these podcasts, don't be shy to tell your friends and family about them. As you listen to these sessions, our prayer is that you would sense God's presence, that you would hear His voice, and most of all, We hope that you're encouraged in the Lord today through these podcasts. Remember to subscribe today to our podcast if you haven't already done it. Be encouraged today. Hey, how's it going? This is Pastor Alberto, and I'm so excited to be with you this year for the Teen Challenge Arise Conference. Now, I know that we can't be together at a physical location as in the previous year, but I know that God is still in it, and we're doing some creative things to bring the message to you. So once again, I'm excited. Wherever you're watching from, I know this is going all around the world, or maybe you're at one of our local Southern California Teen Challenge centers. Whatever center you are at right now, why don't you go ahead and make some noise and give your center a shout out. Come on, right now, put your your hands together. That's right. Now, I'm so excited. My time is limited, so I want to jump right into this. I'm going to be sharing a message, and if you're a note taker and you like titles, the title of this message is called The Unified Church. That's right, The Unified Church. Come on, right now, I want you to turn to your neighbor. You might be six feet apart, but I want you to tell them the message is called The Unified Church. Go ahead. Did you do it? All right, I'm going to believe you did. Now, I'm going to start in the Bible because I believe that that's always a great place to start. I'm going to read out of the book of John, chapter 17, verse 20 through 23 out of the CSB. And I just want to go ahead and say that this text right here has actually become one of my favorite texts in Scripture. It's become something that I continuously pray, something that I continuously meditate on, and I'm excited to be able to share from it today. So this is what the Bible says. Jesus is speaking, and he's actually praying to moment of intercession to the Father before Jesus goes to the cross. So he's having this dialogue or intercession with the Father. And he says this, I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their word. May they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me so that they may be made completely one, that the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Let's pray really quick. Father, we thank you for your word. It's alive. It's active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. Let it speak to our hearts. Let it speak to our minds. Let it speak to our lives and let it challenge us, Lord, and let it do what your word says that it's going to do. Reap a harvest in our lives. We love you and we thank you and it's in Jesus. 
Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Now, the truth is, this has become one of my favorite passages of Scripture. It's become a very important passage in my life, or an important prayer, an important intercession, and something that I constantly reference. And I think that it, we should kind of try to understand the importance of it, because Jesus in this text is getting ready to go to the cross, now, before he goes to the cross, he begins to have a conversation with his father. We would call that an intercession. He begins to pray on behalf of somebody else or a group of other people. So he's praying something for people that don't even know what they need prayer for. And what I love about this prayer is this prayer kind of transcends time and space because it's a prayer for the moment, but it's also be a prayer that would continue to echo, out, echo throughout time and age. It would be something that is still relevant now. It's something that I believe is continuing to still permeate in heaven and reach here on earth. And there's a few implications that we can extract from this text. There's actually a ton of implications that we can extract from this text. And I want to extract a few. But the first implication that I want to extract is this, is that through this prayer, through this text, we saw that unity would not be an option in the kingdom of God. I'm going to say that one more time, that unity would not be an option in the kingdom of God. In this prayer, Jesus is praying for the disciples. He's not only praying for the disciples that are following with him. He's not only praying for his crew and his posse that is kicking it with him in the moment or that would abandon him, but he's also praying for future disciples. He's also praying for the future church. He is praying that we would be united, that they would be united now, and that we would continuously be united as a church church would be established and as the church would move forward and we see the importance in Jesus could have said anything to the father they could have had a conversation about the last supper and whether he liked the food or he was not going to like the food he could have had a conversation about why his uber eats didn't show up on time but the reality is that this is what Jesus chose to pray about because he understood the importance of unity and power he understood I actually think that this is, was a foreshadow of something and we'll get to it in the moment but he prayed it because he understood the power of unity. And it's interesting because he said, God, I pray that they would be one as you and I are one. When I think of unity, when I think of perfect unity, I think of the Trinity. Now, there's two places in the Bible where we see this, this harmonious effort or relationship within the context of the Trinity that really kind of depicts this essence or this picture of unity that Jesus talks about. When you look in the book of Genesis, you see that the Trinity is there before the creation of time and space and earth and, and, and humanity and they're all together. The Bible says that the spirit hovered over and then the, God said, let us make man in our image. So you see this beautiful unity between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit working together for the greater good of something like humanity. And then you jump to the New Testament and Jesus is getting ready to be baptized in the Jordan by John the Baptist. And for the first moment in the New Testament, we see the Trinity all together in one. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. A voice speaks over Jesus. A dove descends upon Jesus. And then Jesus is catapulted into the fullness of his ministry on earth. And so essentially you see the power of unity. You see the, the depiction of unity that Christ desires because he understood and he knew from experience that there was power in unity. 
And the truth is that this is why I talked about foreshadowing is that unity would be required for the birthing of the church and for the sustainability and for the growth of the church. Now track with me in Acts chapter two, verse one through four. Now, maybe you're familiar with this text. Maybe you're not. That's okay. It says this. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, the Bible says that they were all together in one place. And suddenly, a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. Then they were filled all with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled him. Now, come on, if you're a Pentecostal, have you grown up in a Pentecostal church? Or if you're still trying to figure out what your yeah, Pentecostal is, me too. But I'm saying if this is a a famous portion of text. And, and the truth is, a lot of times, us as Pentecostals, right, we get stuck in this, this thing of speaking in tongues. And the speaking in tongues was a great thing. And the speaking in tongues was a miracle. But I want you to know that that wasn't the only miracle in this text. I want you to know that after this and because of this, the church was birthed and 3,000 people believed. And that's what began the New Testament church. But I want you to know, before the miracle of tongues took place, that the miracle of tongues was predicated on the miracle that 120 believers were all together in one room and touched agreement on one thing and then the power fell. The Bible says where two or three are gathered and touch on agreement that he is there. I want you to understand the power of unity. I want you to understand the importance of unity because if it was not for unity, if it was not for 120 believers being all together on one accord, on the same page, being one as Jesus and the Father are one, there would be no birthing of the church. There would be no speaking in tongues. It was a unity that gave them access to the Holy Spirit, that gave them access to the power. So I say that there could be no Acts 2, 1 through 4 moments without a John 17 moment. Because I believe that Jesus was foreshadowing and Jesus was praying for that moment. He was praying for them and they didn't even understand it. So you couldn't have one without the other. And so you understand the importance of unity. Now, if the birthing of the church was predicated upon unity, and if unity was required for the birth of the church... What makes us think that it would not be required for the sustainability and the growth of the church? Now, why would unity be required for the sustainability and the growth of the church? I'm glad that you asked. And my second implication, the second thought would be, is because there's power in unity. Come on, right you right now, wherever you're at, say, there is power in unity. Come on, say it one more time for everybody to hear. There is power in unity. Listen to Psalm 133, verses 1 through 3, out of the CSB version once again. It says, how delightfully good when brothers live together in harmony. It is like fine oil on the head running down on the beard, running down Aaron's beard onto his robe. It is like the dew of Hermon falling on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has appointed the blessing life forevermore. I want to say that one more time. For there the Lord has appointed the blessing life forevermore. I want to say this, that unity is a form 
of alignment. And alignment on earth with one another creates alignment in heaven. I want you to understand, Psalm 133 is really about unity, but I want to use the term alignment. I like that because it talks about how beautiful is it and how great is it when brothers in the faith, when they live together, it's like the oil that's poured from the top of Aaron's head down his beard, down the train of his robe. It is this, this flow, this, this systematic flow that because there is an alignment from the head to the beard to the robe, but the, the, the oil can only flow when there's a sense of alignment so when we look at this text we understand that we can receive this anointing that we can receive this power when we are in alignment with heaven why because alignment with heaven releases the anointing for the assignment here on earth I want to say that one more time alignment with heaven releases the anointing for the assignment on earth it's not an option for us. There is power in unity. And when God's people are unified on earth, when the church is unified, when the disciples are unified, it unlocks heaven's authority and it releases the power of God. It releases the power of the Holy Spirit. Did you get that? That's why unity is so important amongst brothers and sisters. It's why unity is so important within the context of the church, not just within your church, but with other churches. And I'm getting ahead of myself and I'm going to get to that in just a moment. But if you're still taking notes, my third thing is this, that the enemy understands the power of unity. He understands the power of people touching in agreements. He understands what, what's been birthed out of unity. He understands what's been sustained out of unity. And he understands what grows out of unity. So you have to understand that the enemy is on the prowl to divide the church. Listen to this. In Mark chapter 3, verse 24 through 25, it says, Jesus speaking, If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Now, maybe you've heard that before, if you've grown up in church or not, whatever. But this is, this is an interesting moment because this is, this, be, this is the question. Who is Jesus addressing? When Jesus is talking about division and he's saying a house divided can't, is Jesus talking about the Roman Empire, the, the Romans who didn't know, uh, weren't connected to faith, weren't connected to Jewish customs, weren't connected to the religion? Uh, was Jesus speaking to those who knew nothing about the faith? Uh, the answer is no. The reason that Jesus spoke this was because he was speaking against the religious construct of that time that was creating the division and was creating the tension. Did you hear that? It wasn't even the world that was attempting to divide the followers. It was the religious construct of that time. He was speaking to the Sadducees. He was speaking to the Pharisees. He was speaking to those that were trying to minimize the, his work here on earth, that were trying to discredit him and divide the people. And the reality is, once you set up sex like the Sadducees and the Pharisees, you've already create division in those moments. But the enemy understands, so he tries to come in and divide believer against believer. And listen, as a church and as a community of faith, we will never move beyond where we are at if we can't touch agreement and, and, and come together and be unified. Uh, it's very interesting because you also see this in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, when Paul is addressing the church. I love this because Paul kind of comes with this prophetic declaration in this moment of where he tells the church, listen, I, I came to you and I wanted to take you deeper. I wanted to take you to another level. You know, we go from glory to glory. I wanted to take you to a new dimension. And it, um, it wasn't really I that wanted to take you, but God wanted to take you. And I was going to be the instrument that he used to take you to the next level. But Paul said, you know what? We're stuck. I can't take you to that place. 
I can't take you to that next level. I can't take you to that next dimension because there's division amongst you. He says you're worldly. Now, you would think that when Paul's saying worldly, come on, I went through Teen Challenge and we would associate that because you were listening to Biggie Smalls, uh, because you were watching a rated R movie. Now, those are great areas. I'm not talking about that. That's not what Paul is associating worldliness with. Paul is, is calling out worldliness in them and associated to, to the fact that they're divided and that they quarrel with one another and that they're jealous of one another. That's what he labels as worldliness. And Paul says, because you're divided, because you're divided as a church, I can't take you to that place where God wants to take you. So you're going to have to stay in this place. Now, I want you to understand the ramifications of division. I want you to understand the ramifications of when brother in the faith is against a brother in the faith or sister in the faith is against a sister in the faith or church is divided or, or churches aren't coming together and getting along. And here's the reality. I think that we find ourselves today in 2020 in the same predicament once again. And the reality is we see the church is experiencing a racial divide, which blows my mind because Acts 2 was enough for us to see that if they were given different tongues and if people understood them in their own languages, that God was trying to bring unity. And all throughout the book of Acts, we see that God is bringing people from different places, from different backgrounds together for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of salvation and for the sake of the expansion of the kingdom of God. But we're experiencing racial divide. How can we call ourselves a father? followers of Jesus Christ and be divided on racism. How can we even be racist and be associated to Jesus Christ? It doesn't mix. It doesn't go. But here we find ourselves in 2020. And look, we say that COVID and this pandemic created these problems. I'm here to say that they didn't create these problems. They exposed the problems that were already there and they magnified them. I look all around and on social media, you see the church is against church and pastor against pastor and leader against leader. How can a lost world desire to come to know Christ, if when they look at the body of Christ, they see that we're no better than the world. Listen to what Jesus said in John 13, 34 through 35. I give you a new command. Love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are. It doesn't say, and by your social media uh, posts and by your social media rhetoric and by your Twitter uh, retweet and, and by your Facebook uh, uh, conspiracy theory posts that they'll know you're my disciples. That's not what it says. It says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Evidence of the gospel in the life of an unbeliever is modeled through the lives of believers being able to love one another and live in unity. That's the reality. Of course, the enemy wants to divide us. And of course, the enemy wants to create division within the context of the church, because the way that the world will know that we are followers of Christ is through the love that we have for one another. It's the evidence. It's the evidence. I know we want to worship and I know we want to come back into our churches and be together. But I think God is saying, I hear your worship, but I want you to go live worship out. I want you to go live it out. Because in John 4, he told the woman at the well, and my worshipers will worship me in spirit and in truth. In spirit means with our words but in truth means with our lifestyle I think the world is looking for a people that will not simply elevate the praises of God with their lips but will live out their faith with their life with truth 
And I believe that God is wanting to unite his people again, that God is wanting to unite his church again because there is power when we are unified. There is power when we come together. There's no such thing as the white church and as the brown church, as the black church. There's only one church, and that's the church of Jesus Christ. Come on, if you believe that right now, I want you to give God a shout of praise. Now I'm coming to a close, and it's this. My final thought would be, It's time that we come back into alignment. I believe we've been misaligned. Now, a few years ago, my son broke his arm on the trampoline. Bless God, we've since burned the trampoline. No, I'm just kidding, but we got rid of it. And uh, there's a photo of of his x-ray, and his arm was fractured, and it snapped in an area, and it misaligned his arm. And and it was a very painful process, a very painful thing to even watch my son go through. And the doctor comes back after the x-rays and says that my son's going to need a cast. I'm like, well, duh, he's going to need a cast. He says, he's going to have to actually wear the cast for eight weeks. And I was like, what? Eight weeks? That's two months. You're going to put a four-year-old in a cast for two months? What are we going to do? Just put me in a full body cast right now and Jesus take the wheel. And so they're going to put him in this cast. And I, I felt so bad for him because I knew he was going to be limited in what he was going to be able to do because the cast would literally wrap around his own whole arm and he wouldn't have full mobility and he wouldn't have full access to doing the things that he used to do. He was going to be not fully mobile for a moment and for a season because he was going to have that cast on because the bone was misaligned. And I felt bad for him, but I had to kind of talk myself off the ledge and say, well, I know it seems bad, but thank God that he's going to have a cast because although he's not going to have full mobility that cast is going to help realign that bone so after those eight weeks he's going to regain the full mobility of his arm if it wasn't for that cast it wouldn't have healed and aligned that fractured bone and I'm sharing that with us because as a as a nation as a church we felt limited we felt like we can't go to church or we can't worship or we can't do this and we can't do that I would present to you this do you think that God is allowing this for such a time as this because he's saying your life has been misaligned your relationships have been misaligned you have been misaligned the church has been misaligned and I'm bringing this season into the life of the church to bring alignment so yeah you might not feel like you're fully mobile you might feel restricted in particular things but that restriction is for your benefit that restriction is for your blessing that restriction is for the future call that I have for your life that are some of you in the program right now you feel limited God has had to limit you because he's bringing alignment into your life to release the anointing for the assignments over you. And so I just believe right now that what God is doing is he's unifying people. I believe that the mobility, that the lack of mobility has caused us to have to come together for such a time as this to arise and to awaken the church into what God has called us to be that we might see the greatest revival that we've ever seen or that we've ever experienced. So would you believe with me now that God wants to bring healing to our church? God wants to bring healing to our relationships. God wants to bring healing into our life. God wants to bring alignment to release the anointing for the assignment over our lives. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for everyone that's watching right now. I thank you for everybody that's tuned in in every center. God, I thank you for every church that's watching, every believer that's watching all around the world. And God, right now, I pray that we would just submit to your will. God, I pray that we would submit to you, that we would come into alignment. God, that you would forgive us for what we've made it. You forgive us what we haven't made it, Lord. And that God, that you would hear our cries, that we repent to you right now, God. We turn back to you, Lord, and we pray that you would bring our 
our nation back into alignment, you bring our churches back into alignment, and you would bring our lives back into alignment with you, that we might step into the fullness of what you have for us. So God, we thank you and we love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Look forward to maybe being with you guys in person and enjoy the rest of the Arise Conference. Thanks for choosing the Teen Challenge of Southern California podcast. If you haven't subscribed yet, do it today. It's easy. Go to wherever you get your podcasts, click on our icon and hit subscribe. A new podcast filled with godly encouragement, spiritual instruction and teaching comes out every week. God bless you today.